Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, what a confusing sight we had when you did watch this week's episode of AEW Dynamite known as Road Rager because the arena looked a little bit different and there were things in the crowd that had eyes and faces. <laughs> of course, it was fans, which means I'm going to call it now. We are through the pandemic era and thank Flubbins for that. It also meant that All Elite Wrestling had some surprises up their sleeve and my word did I not see this coming. In fact, nobody saw this coming apart from that one guy on the internet goes, I knew this was going to happen even though nobody knew it was going to happen. But we don't need to worry about that. And what we do need to worry about is this the finger of power and that my name is Simon Miller and you're watching What Culture Wrestling and you have tuned in to AEW Dynamite Road Rager ups and downs to find out whether it kicked ass or whether it sucked. Small spoiler, I had a rollicking good time. Let's up those downs. half tempted to start this whole did AEW Dynamite have a good opening match counter and every single one would be yes because ever since October 2019 I don't think they've dropped the ball now whatever was going to come out first on this week was going to have a massive advantage because again there were fans in the place I mean it would be like getting pizza for breakfast it was just so novel but it was QT Marshall versus Cody Rhodes in a strap match and the winner here was going to have to go old school with the stipulations because there was no pins there was no submissions there was no DQ just meant everybody under the sun got involved and if you wanted to be the victor you had to touch all four corners and sure this was shenanigan central but i don't even care because of the thought that aew put into their product this evening because halfway through this match all of a sudden the lights went off and the commentators were like well that was very strange we have been having some bad weather and cody kind of looked around like man stupid idiots i'm trying to have a wrestling match here would you stop flubbing around with the lights we shall talk about all of this at the relevant moment later on but it was basically just one massive tease in order to lure you into a false sense of security and honestly more companies need to do this work me please i'm a wrestling fan back in the match qt got the upper hand when he smacked cody Rhodes right in the balls which will always work and we had some fun bits here where 
both guys had hit all three turnbuckles. You're like, oh my gosh, who's gonna hit the fourth? And then somebody would do a move, which meant we were back to zero. QT really underlined the fact that he was a heel too when he spat into Cody Rhodes' face. And Cody responded to this by giving him three crossroads and then winning the match. And I thought to myself, that is exactly how you would react. Imagine you were in any kind of scenario and someone went, oh, You'd be like, man, I used to be a car person, now you're gonna die. So this was a really solid start to Dynamite and set us up perfectly for what was going to happen later. And I guess this is the end of the QT Marshall Cody feud. I enjoyed it. Sean Spears' promo was next and he is still focused on Sammy Guevara, which is really good because I was looking forward to those two having a feud and then we kind of took a little detour, but now we definitely back to it. Because as he was going, Sammy, you're a piece of crap and I hate you and your ego is too big, a chair just came flying into the frame and it knocked Sean Spears out and then Sammy was here and was like, man, I ain't done with you, you absolute dick. And I can only presume that somehow chairs are going to feature in whatever they do do because the chair keeps getting involved. And it was then time to turn the pressure up on this pressure cooker. I got that wrong. Either way up. Because before we do get into this, let's just clap like weirdos about what a great job the AEW has done with Hangman Adam Page. Because you could just feel it in the crowd. They were desperate to see him and he has got to be one of the company's biggest stars right now. And let me tell you this, at one stage it wasn't the point. This is long-term storytelling done right. Before all that though, Kenny Omega and Don Callis were out here. <laughs> Don Callis, this poor man. Before he could say a word, every single person in the building was going, you got fired, because that did happen on Impact Wrestling. Once again, it's another tip for real people. And yes, I know I'm going to keep saying that long after I should. It's like when you meet somebody in April and they go, Happy New Year, and you're like, you're an absolute idiot. But I am a moron, so there you go. They were both going on again, though, about how Kenny Omega's defeated everybody and he doesn't have any challenges left. When Evil Uno arrived once more with the Dark Order and was like, look, we did this seven days ago. You know who you've got to fight and you need to stop doing a goon and you need to face the facts. And do you know how Kenny responded to this? He smacked the evil one right in the testicles. And before he did it, he said, hey, do you know what the capital of Thailand is? And after Evil Uno was on the floor going, oh, no, I'm in so much pain. Kenny said, the answer is Bangkok. This man is an absolute moron and I love him. This led to the good brothers and Michael Nakazawa running out there to try and take out the rest of the Dark Order. But of course we did this so we could have the big arrival of Hangman Page and don't come into my house and try and argue this otherwise. This flubbing cowboy is over. Adam could have hit the buckshot lariat too because AEW was teasing this like crazy people, but he didn't. And instead he locked eyes with his former tag team partner and they just stared at each other. And for some reason, probably because all the time we've invested in it, it made you feel like this was the best thing you'd ever seen in your life. Carl Anderson then kind of jumped around the place, which allowed Kenny Omega to bail because you know how wrestlers work. Any kind of distraction, like, oh man, I can't remember what I was doing. But I am so ready for this match. As I've said time and time again, I want Hangman Adam Page to lose just because it's going to turn him into the most sympathetic babyface maybe ever. I mean, that's hyperbole, but now I've said it. This was so simple, but yet it was so effective and kind of what you would have assumed was going to happen before you sat down to watch Dynamite. But that's the point. Often the most tread path is the right one. We were just hitting home runs all night as well because then JR was mediating an interview between Darby Allen and Ethan Page. Like I say, it just worked up. They also sold this great from the off because he was like, look, I'm quite uncomfortable to be here because you keep telling him that you want to murder him and you keep telling him that you want him dead and now I'm sat in the middle of you 
just think that everybody needs to calm down. I was like, Jim, thank you so much for bringing this up. Wrestlers all over the place like, man, I'm going to try and murder as many people as possible. And yet nobody else seems to care. From here, they went at it too. And it really did work because Darby was like, he only doesn't like me because I made it to the big leagues before him, which Ethan Page said, yes, that is true, which is why I have to end your life. In fact, he believes that Darby Allen would never have made it anywhere if it wasn't for the feuding that they had been doing outside of the company. So now we're mixing fiction with reality. That always floats my boat. Page then ignored all of the worries of Jim Ross and once again said, oh, I'm going to end you next week. And it is a coffin match. I mean, who wants to end up in a casket unless you have passed away? I'm very intrigued to see what AEW does do with this. And again, in front of live fans, I know I've become boring now. I sometimes miss announcements too, because there is so much wrestling, I can't store it all in my brain. So then when it was the pinnacle versus the inner circle, I was like, I didn't see that coming. I suppose it was a way to get through an extra week before we do the obvious FTR versus Santana and Ortiz match, because here, these two teams were going at it, but we had Wardlow on one side of the fence, we have Jake Hager on the other side of the fence, Thankfully, the Pinnacle one kind of felt like they needed that. I mean, it was just really good as well. You had some solid wrestling. The bad guys acted like villains. The good guys acted like heroes. We gave a lot to Jake Hagar because he was going to take the pinfall, but we wanted to remind everyone, oh, he's a big dude that can smash her. Fine. Ortiz got the best hot tag in the world because people just want to love him right now, and I completely understand why. And he would have got the victory here if it wasn't for Wardlow breaking up a bunch of pins. But the low ward was here, so he was a feature, so he made sure he did have it. This also kind of tied into the finish too, because both teams were at a stalemate. So Tully Blanchard caused the distraction, because it is professional wrestling, which allowed FTR to hit the big rig onto Mr. Jake. And that was that. Conan also came out with the inner circle here too. And I hope we keep doing this because he would be a terrific manager for Santana and Ortiz, especially once inevitably the inner circle do break up. And afterwards, he kind of tried to get some shots in here because I think he went a little bit crazy. So obviously got his ass whooped. It actually came from Tully as well, who gave him a chop block. So he ended this by going, man, you guys are massive buffoons. And there's this small part of me that think AEW may actually do something like Tully Blanchard versus Conan. You shall have to wait and see. What a twist we then had. Because Carl Anderson was cutting this promo in the back where he said two very important things. One, he doesn't like John Moxley anymore, so why don't they have a fight? And two, they should do it next week for the IWGP United States Championship. Given that the world is slowly opening up too, I do not think this is a coincidence. So if you've been excited about seeing some New Japan faces in All Elite Wrestling, well, you're going to have to wait a little while longer, but I do think they're coming. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The good times then continue to roll because it was Maxwell Jacob Friedman and Chris Jericho sharing a ring. Now before we do get into that, somebody from the crowd did try to interfere here when they jumped the guardrail and I just thought this was massively disappointing. I mean, we haven't had fans back for so long and on night one basically, some schmo decides I want to be part of the action. That's like when you live at home and your dad says, look, I just don't want you to get a tattoo. When you leave, do whatever the hell you want. But on this day, please do not get it. So 24 hours later, you just walk out there and get one. It makes you a dick. And some people are going, it was a work, it was a work, and I really don't think it was because go watch the segment. And let's assume that it was not part of the plan. Fair play to MJF and Chris Jericho. They handled this like pros and they even worked it into what they were saying. Eventually they did turn their attentions to each other, which was the whole point of this, with MJF being like, man, Chris, I used to look up to you. And then I realized you were a fraud. And Jericho was like, look, don't worry about any of that. Tell me what your stipulations are, because I will accept anything, even having sex with your mother. Pregnant pause, pregnant pause, pregnant pause. Again. So now in storyline, I assume Chris Jericho banged Mrs. Freeman. I regret saying that. I'm very sorry. I shouldn't have done it. My apologies. That is not going to be the rules, though. And instead, MJF has turned his attention to Greek mythology, namely the labors of Hercules. And he's going to force Chris Jericho to have four matches of his choosing. And every single one is going to have a different stick. If he is able to get through all of them and get to number five, he shall take on Maxwell himself. And of course, when MJF wins, finally Chris Jericho can go away forever because MJF will have beaten him three times. I really like this idea too because you've given me a story straight away and this being professional wrestling they did sign some kind of a contract before MJF said hey when I'm from we shake hands to make sure a deal is official and he went to shake the hand Chris Jericho elbowed him right in the face this was just a good old classic segment. Much like Hangman Adam Page I think Chris Jericho should climb this ladder and then lose and I don't even know why a bad, bad man like Rikishi. Britt Baker was then here. <laughs> she does not give a shit. She was talking about her match last week and how an innocent bystander, Rebel, got injured and how in many ways this is Tony Khan's fault because he's got a bunch of blood money and given that he does have that cash, maybe he'll use it to run a show in Saudi Arabia. We fire in those shots. I'm sure everyone will go nuts about this, but look, it was a five second thing on a two hour show. If you want to throw some shade out there, just do it. Also, let's be honest, it made me go, ooh, because I'm a massive nerd. Anyway, Baker then promised that she will defeat Nyla Rose next week. And I'm pretty sure she will. Okay. Andrade then made his in-ring AEW debut. He was taken on Matt Seidel, 
and kind of you assumed that they were going to have a really good match and they just had a really good match. Uh, Vicky Guerrero was also in Andrade's corner and that's still not adding up for me. I don't know, it's missing a certain something. And all I can really tell you is that if you watched this and you weren't impressed, I think your expectations were a little bit too high. It was really enjoyable. They're also just fighting on the top rope like a couple of crazy people and reversing each other's moves. Like at one point, Andrade was going to go for his double foot stomp, but Matt Seidel got out of the way, and then Matt hit the Meteora. And if this had been any other opponent, I would have gone, oh, much he's going to win. But of course he was never going to win. Imagine Andrade had his first ever match in AEW and lost. You'd be right to lose your mind. So instead, after a pretty decent sequence, he did hit his hammerlock DDT and he got the one, two, three. That is one and oh for Mr. Andrade. Just to make it clear that he is a heel, he absolutely kicked the crap out of Matt Seidel afterwards. So we're going to have to see what's next for him. But it wouldn't surprise me if he's in some kind of title match within the next 12 months. Had a big video featuring Christian Cage and Matt Hardy next. And I really do think this is smart, courtesy of AEW. Because if you were trying to reel in some lapsed fans to watch your product, these are the two dudes you want to have a fight because they just scream at you, dearer. It's what they spoke about here too and the fact that they do have some history and they are going to have that match soon. I think it may even be next week. And I think we should keep an eye on this when it comes to ratings. It could do exactly what it's meant to. And then, well, wrestling just reminded you why it's one of the best damn things on the planet. Look at my weird conductor arms. I don't want to be that guy and say, I told you so. But somebody may have made a video where they said something like this could have happened. It made me feel proud as punch. Let's go. Because Arn Anderson was in the ring just being Arn Anderson, which is fine because Arn Anderson is an absolute legend. And he was talking to the fans and acted like he had some kind of big surprise when the lights went out again. Now, because this was the second time the lights went out, we were like, oh, those crazy bugs in the system. I can't believe it happened again. We had been tricked. Because when they came back on, Alistair Black, now known as Malachi Black, was in the ring and he took his leg, he took his foot and basically decapitated Arn Anderson. I mean, he booted him right in the skull. And of course, the fans went nuts. I went nuts. The internet went nuts. And some people were like, how can he be there? Well, he's got a 90-day non-compete. Why do you care? Why is that your first thought? Now, as it turns out, it seems like he only had a 30-day non-compete because WWE forgot to upgrade him when he moved from NXT to Raw and SmackDown. But I don't give a flub. If Alistair Black went, <laughs> I'm not going to obey that stupid contract. I just want wanted to enjoy this moment. Cody then ran down to try and help his mentor and friend and he got smacked in the face as well as Malachi, as he's now known, turned to the camera and just smirked. This was wonderful. The commentators also sold it like he had gone insane. And if you can believe it, Black still has that eye thing and the bruise on his face. So he is a continuing a storyline from one company to the next. I can't think of anybody else who's ever done that. So this was absolutely sublime, but I do want to make an apology because once on these videos, I said that wrestling should do the whole lights out gimmick twice as much, but I was wrong after seeing this and reminding myself how good it is. We should do it all the damn time. If you want to have a whole show with the lights just going on and off, it will be entertained. So I loved every single second of this. I thought it was so well done and it just made me want to tell my friends so it doesn't just get an up. It gets a golden up. Team Taz is also absolutely flubbed too. We saw a skit from early where Ricky Starks was surrounded by security and was just saying, Brian Cage, I think you're a massive asshole. I don't like you. And when I can, I'm going to push you off a bridge. This led to Taz coming out and being like, Ricky, what are you doing, man? You don't need security. You're ruining everything. When, of course, Brian Cage did turn up, he destroyed all of these guys and we're going to have a match next week. 
Now, this was kind of teased, like maybe Ricky Starks is gonna be kicked out of the group, but I'm imagining this is just sort of like taking us down the wrong lane, and it will be bye-bye to Brian Cage, who then becomes a babyface. Why the hell not? We were then once again reminded how much fans enhanced the experience because it was the Blade and the Bunny taking on Chris Statland and Orange Cassidy. And if this had happened in Daly's place in front of nobody or whatever you want to say, I don't think it would have worked. But when you had noise, up. Rules weren't really enforced here, which yes, is something that AEW needs to keep an eye on. But the real beauty of this was that everybody is still just going crazy and nuts for Orange Cassidy. Everybody just loves this guy, and that energy comes out of the TV, it goes down my neck and into my stomach, and all of a sudden, I adore him too. There was also a bunch of distractions in this match, and we did tease that we were going to get some male-on-female stuff, and at one point we actually did, because the blade was lying down on the floor, Chris Statlander went to the top rope, she hit a 450, allowing Orange Cassidy to get back in there, and he was about to win... Bunny pulled him out of the ring. This allowed the Blade to then get the brass nuts, which Aubrey Edwards, the referee, thought she'd taken away, and he punched Orange Cassidy right in the face, but he didn't realise that, oh no, Chris Statlander has tagged in, so I'm not legally allowed to make this cover. I may go to jail. Chris Statlander then pushed the Bunny into the Blade before hitting the Big Bang Theory to get the win, and I'm quite clearly going to do something with the Blade and Orange Cassidy because he does keep punching him in the face, but overall, yeah, inoffensive, I had fun. And then I was not prepared for our next segment, but my word, somebody give Dan Lambert a medal. Because he was there with Amanda Nunes and George Masvidal of MMA fame, when he just decided to get on a microphone and tell us he massively regretted coming to Dynamite this evening, because he's an old school wrestling fan, and this new school wrestling sucks. Now I know he's been doing these kind of promos in Impact Wrestling and MLW, but I've never really seen him, and this guy is excellent at winding up a crowd which made it even better when Lance Archer came out there, punched him in the face, and then dropped him with the blackout. Now, I can only assume this is leading somewhere with one of these three, and admittedly, it kind of came out of nowhere, but just for this promo alone, what an absolute asshat. Maybe AEW was also trying to get this on SportsCenter or something like that, because they did have George Masvidal and Amanda Nunes, and I really liked seeing Nunes especially, because she could destroy everybody in wrestling apart from maybe Brock Lesnar and Matt Riddle. But even then, you wouldn't put it past her. It was time for our main event next and I don't care what anybody says. The Young Bucks are not capable of having bad matches and I truly think they are one of the best tag teams ever. That's right, I said it. What are you gonna do? Up. They were taking on Penta and Eddie Kingston for the tag team titles in a street fight and as such, Matt and Nick Jackson came out like they were from the streets and they were wearing the tightest denim shorts you have ever seen in your life. Don Callis was also on commentary acting like they were the biggest threats in the world. If you just want to enjoy wrestling for the nonsense that it is, I present you Exhibit A. It also went badly for them in the early going because they were going to super kick Penta and Eddie Kingston and they missed and they hit poor Michael Nakazawa. And honestly, my heart goes out to that guy. No matter what he does, he always gets smacked in the face. You always assumed that weapons were going to get involved because again, it was a street fight. But I did not expect Penta to drop kick a chair into Matt Jackson's ass, which he did. But also the sheer lunacy of this entire thing, whatever you can imagine, times it by 92.9. Everybody was going through tables like they were going out of fashion, including Penta, who grabbed Matt Jackson and gave him a running destroyer 
through some wood. And I was like, wait a minute, we're only halfway through the match. What the hell are we going to do next? As it turned out, Nick Jackson got a trash can and he kicked it right to Penta's face. That also looked like it sucked. And like I say, it just kept going up and up and up and everybody getting chucked through tables, including your own nan, when Eddie Kingston got the sleeper on Matt Jackson. And do you know how Nick Jackson broke this up? He hit a 450 onto the referee. And I laughed for about five minutes because it is such a stupid idea to even come up with, let alone do in the ring. And therefore, it's honestly getting 10 out of 10. This is when the Good Brothers came down, which actually made sense here that they were going to interfere, given the rules. But they didn't do anything because they got cut off by Penta. And Matt Jackson was then saying to Brandon Cutler, use the spray, use the spray. But he wasn't able to use the spray because then Frankie Kazarian was out here. He powerbombed Brandon through a table. I genuinely don't know where they were getting all these tables from because they were just so many. And the speed and the sheer pace of this was absolutely crazy. And if you can believe it, following this, Penta and Eddie Kingston had the match won after hitting a double team move when Nick Jackson pulled the referee out at 2.9. Now look, I know we've seen this spot a lot, especially in the match prior to it. And I really think we should have just done one. But when things are this damn good, I don't even care, man. I ain't being negative. Everybody was then fighting like crazy people when Eddie Kingston introduced thumbtacks into the mix. And do you know who went through these? Penta went through these after he was hit with a Hurricane Rana off the top rope. And I think at that point, my own life flashed before my eyes. And I don't even know what that means. Seriously though, this was free TV, never forget. And after the Bucks threw more tags into Penta's face, they put some in Eddie Kingston's mouth, hit him with a couple of super kicks and pinned him. And I was like, man, not only was that excellent, it was kind of disgusting. This was tremendous though, it truly was. I mean that word tremendous, it was so much fun. And of course the Young Bucks are still your tag team champions. But what a way to end your first proper show back. So yes, it's a clean sweep. And I'm sure some of you guys are and you're so biased. I'm not biased, but there was no downs in this show. It doesn't mean it was perfect, but it did mean I had a great time. So overall, is get it up. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 